I really do love that new synth. Yeah. It's and you've got a sex, sexy new synthesizer. It is sexy. Mm. I like the word synthesizer. It's good. Um, I don't like it as much because I have a slight lisp, as listeners may have noticed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they would have. Don't you reckon? No, I don't think it's very commonly noticed. Or yeah. Known. I mean, it's not, it's not that pronounced. Yeah. But unless I say words like synthesizer. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that you've said it like that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Hi, Ruth. Hi, Josephine. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Very well. It's good. Did um, you say like seven sour straps? Oh, my God, yes. Some pinging. We found a box of sour straps in my cupboard that I what? didn't know existed. But like it's like an industrial size box of sour straps. Yeah, it's from straps. Costco. Hilarious. I bought them for our friend and we ate them. We ate them. We didn't eat all of them. No, just some. We'll give some. them to her later. Hello and welcome to My Favourite Musical. The podcast. That's right. That's Ruth. This, th- that's Josephine. <laughs> I don't know what happened then. I forgot your name. Get your, your shit name. together. <laughs> it's been a while. It has. Uh, Ruth, this is episode 20. Episode 20. Can you believe it? I kind it? of just forgot until right now that it's episode Did 20. Did you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. It's episode 20 of My Favourite Musical. This is the podcast where we talk about musicals. And it's a very special episode. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Do you remember whose idea this was? Was it yours? It was mine. It was yours. Yeah. So um, today, it's not a secret. You've already clicked on the link, so you know what it's about. It's about Hamilton. Yes. All about one musical. Yes. Well, because we had to, we were fighting over it. Yeah. And I was like, well, I want to cover Hamilton. And Ruth was like, well, I want to talk about Hamilton. So we're both talking about Hamilton. Yeah. So for the first time, we're only covering one musical on the show. And as suggested by you, everything is Hamilton themed yes. today. All of our sections are Hamilton themed. I love it. And, um, yeah, we're in uncharted territory. We don't know how this is going to go. It, guys, we're playing fast and loose with the yes. format. <laughs> <laughs> and neither Josephine or I are people who like playing fast and loose with, with nope. rules. Nope, so, nope. Well, as is evidenced by this week, I spent a very good solid amount of time writing every single song we've ever put in any of our mixtapes and alphabetizing them Yes. so that we can cross-check any future mixtapes that we don't double up songs. Oh, my God. It's like porn for you, isn't it? It is. It's, when I say things it's incredible. like that. Josephine sent me a text about it and I was like, this just appeals to me on every level. <laughs> on every level. If uh, it had been in a spreadsheet rather I, than a I Word document. I actually almost made it a spreadsheet. Yeah. yeah that yeah, would have yeah. – I would have – yeah. But is there any point making a spreadsheet about one line of information? Do you know what I mean? Like, Yes, because then you could alphabetize it. But like I can – well, can you? Yeah. Google Docs. Yeah. So in Google Docs, you just highlight and yeah. you go to add-ons and there's just like a um, paragraph sorting add-on oh. and you just then alphabetize A to Z. I actually, I, you know, I need to – using Google Docs with you is the first time I've really used it. Well, welcome. Yeah. So I don't know all the, you know, all the tricks. Well, it's and, so easy. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Back to musicals. Ruth, so. Do you have any apologies today? I Just that, um, no. You don't. Nor no. do I. <laughs> <laughs> What about a spotlight? A spotlight. So, as Josephine said, we're going to be completely Hamilton themed today. Yes. So, my spotlight is on the incredible costume designer, Paul Taswell, who Ooh. is the costume designer of Hamilton. Good one. Yeah. So, Paul Taswell has been nominated for a whopping six Tony Awards and he won one for Hamilton. Um, he also won an Emmy for his work designing the costumes for The Wiz Live, you know, one of those live television 
versions they did the Wiz, which I actually think is one of the oh, better ones that they've done. I have not seen that. Maybe yeah. because I hate the Wiz. Do you? Well, I think I do. Okay. I don't think I, don't I like the it. Wizard of Oz either, to be honest. I like the Wiz probably more than I like the Wizard of Oz musical. Yeah. I love the movie of the Wizard of Oz. I think Michael Jackson ruined the Wiz for me. Oh, oh just just him, him as a person yeah, and his yeah. actions, right? Yeah. Um, so he won an Emmy for designing the costumes for that, and he nice. was also nominated for an Emmy for an Emmy, an Emmy for designing <laughs> the costumes for the Jesus Christ Superstar Live that we oh, talked yeah, about nice. before. Which I have to say, I actually think I really liked the costumes. The costumes were excellent. Yeah, yeah, fact, I loved them. The design of all of that production was yes, excellent. I agree, and I really loved the Cory as well. Yes, yes. Wasn't we the Cory on Camille A. Brown? It was. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. she's amazing too. Um, so his Broadway debut as a costume designer was designing for Bring Into Noise, Bring Into Funk, which we've also talked about on the podcast. Yes. Um, and he has also in his career done costumes for uh, Caroline or Change on Broadway, the, the original production of The Colour Purple, In the Heights, which is, of course, how he started working with Lin-Manuel Miranda, and um, the recent Ain't Too Proud, the musical of The Temptations, um, it, among many others. There's lots and lots of shows. Those are just a few of them. He's also doing, speaking of Michael Jackson, the upcoming MJ, the musical. Mm. But, yeah, Paul Taswell, I mean, he's incredible. Obviously, the co- we'll be talking about a lot of Hamilton-themed things. Those the costumes, costumes in Hamilton. Hamilton are incredible. Oh, they're out of, yeah, they're out of control. Yeah. The thought that's gone into those costumes, yeah. like, yeah, wow. Yeah. Amazing. Incredible. So, yes, that's Paul Taswell. Look him up. He's yeah. amazing. Paul Taz, did he work on, he didn't work on In the Heights. Yeah, then. he did In the Heights, yeah. Oh, I wasn't listening. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> Josephine's just just <laughs> sat staring at me dead-eyed while I talked about Paul Taswell instead of listening. Oh, uh, guys, guys, guys. <laughs> it's not our normal record day, so everything is weird for me yeah. at the moment. I feel weird. Yeah. Okay, my spotlight today, I'm actually, I want to talk about colorblind casting. Mm. So we've mentioned colorblind casting a few times before and I want to talk about it, but to be clear, Hamilton is actually not an example of colorblind no, casting. No, and I think a lot of people don't think yes, this. Yes, that's right. So I want to clear this up. So the decisions to cast people of color in the roles of Hamilton, it, it's very deliberate and there's a name for it, which I'll tell you about in a second. And so lots of like lots of um, interviews with Tommy Cow, the director, like he's clearly said that it wasn't colorblind casting. Those are very deliberate decisions in the case of Hamilton. So here's what colorblind casting is. Firstly, interestingly, actors' equity doesn't like the term, which is oh, fair. Okay. Yep. So we're going to call it non-traditional casting. Yeah. It's defined as the casting of ethnic minority actors in roles where race, ethnicity, or gender is not germane, meaning not relevant to the character. Yeah. Some notable examples of colorblind casting or non-traditional casting is Carl Anderson as Judas in Jesus Christ Superstar. I think he's probably sort of the first really notable example of it. So he replaced the original Judas on Broadway and then he was Judas in the film. In the film, yeah. Yeah, so that's a big deal. Also like a really famous example of this is Leah Salonga playing Eponine. Yes, yeah. um, In Les Mis, which is like, what's that? That was late 80s maybe? Yeah, that sounds right. Oh. Later, 90s. 90s, yeah. 90s. So, yeah, so it's it's certainly like you can actually go to the Wikipedia page for colorblind casting and there's a list of like film and television and theatre okay. where where this non-traditional casting has happened. Yeah. There aren't really enough, I would say. Yeah. Um, but what Hamilton does is actually called colour conscious casting, mm. which I don't know if you want to talk about it a bit, Ruth, and maybe you'll mention it later on the episode, yeah. but it's more that they've consciously chosen that – the characters will be portrayed by actors of colour. Yeah. And so it's not that if a, if a person shows up to the audition and they're really great at 
George Washington that they might cast a person who is white. No, that character will be portrayed by a person of colour. Yeah. And I think that's really is a really cool, strong decision. Yeah. Who do you so reckon? The way that they talk about it in particular about Hamilton, um, Lynn's idea was – um, and this is basically a direct quote from him, is that this is a story about America then, told by America now. Yeah, nice. Um, and we want to eliminate any di- any distance. Our story should look the way our country looks. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, like, that was kind of their ethos about it. And obviously also, you know, we'll talk a lot about the hip-hop um, and rap elements of the show, but obviously, like, that is a world that is made by pe- people of colour yeah. and comes from right. those people. So it was also about the language being appropriate for the cast. Yeah. Um, what I love about it in the case of Hamilton is that, you know, you've got examples of things like obviously Philippa Sue yeah. being the original Eliza, like, is a person of Asian heritage, but it's not like they've then gone every Eliza has to be Asian. No. And in the same way. It's the same that, with Angelica. Exactly. Yeah. And same with like um, even though Lin-Manuel is a, you know, Latinx um, uh, heritage, like there's been a lot of African-American um, people play. Play Hamilton, yeah. Play Hamil- Alexander Hamilton as yes. well, things like that. So it's their only kind of stipulation is that those people be people of, you know, like minority, minority people. Ethnic minorities. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's really great. And um, I, d- I mean, as a person, as a white person, I, d- I can't really speak to it, but I, I really like that. Firstly, we call it non-traditional casting and also that, yeah, Hamilton is not an example of that. Yeah. I like that it's colour conscious rather yes. than, you know, just saying, oh, no, we're colour blind. I actually hate the term colour blind. I think yeah. it's really, anyway. Well, in the same way that they say we shouldn't be colour, like, we, you know, when when we've been talking a lot about anti-racism and Black Lives uh, in Matter, the wake yeah. of Black Lives Matter and people are like, no, that isn't how we should go about no. it. We should be very aware of what colour does in society. Yeah, just saying like I don't see colour. Yeah, that's yeah. not helpful. No, so. exactly. So, yeah, non-traditional casting, that's my spotlight. Yeah, awesome. That's great. Do we have a theatre explained? We do. So, again, Hamilton themes. Oh, my gosh, I we, love it. <laughs> we're such nerds. <laughs> we thought we would talk a little bit about Revolves, set revolves, moving set pieces, that whole thing. Which Hamilton does very well. Exactly. So Hamilton has not just one turntable Hmm. but two turntables. Yes, like a turntable within a turntable. So sexy. It is so sexy, right? And on like this cool like parquetry flooring effect on the turntable so that when it moves, oh, my God. Basically a revolve in theatre is anything that turns. So sometimes a revolve can just be like a a raised platform that will turn in a circle, literally will revolve. Um, and in the case of Hamilton, it's actually inlaid in the floor, yeah. which is really cool. So when it's not moving, it's just a floor. And we assume automated? I know in the case of Hamilton that it is. Yes. Um, um, not like all of them are. Be. Nowadays they are mostly, yeah, but they don't always. have to be. Yeah, they they don't can have be manually be. driven. Yeah, and they usually, I mean, usually it's like it's obviously a pulley system, but yeah, sometimes manually driven. Yeah, exactly. But um, I love that there are two revolves. Like yes. there's a bigger revolve and then a smaller yeah. one in Hamilton. And the Which effect of it is just. You know, we talked about Hadestown in a previous episode. Yes. I don't know if they have two or if it's just that there's one and then. Then it the drops. centre section drops, but also very effective. Well, in the actually, I think in the case of Hades Town, they have one revolve that is sort of actually 
like circles around. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like the revolve is not an actual circle. It's like a, the outline of a circle. Yeah. Does that yes. make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the middle drops out of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but Hamilton also has a lot of moving set pieces. Yes, exactly. And so they're basically just anything that's on wheels is called a truck in theatre and there's lots of those in Hamilton. Yeah. And I um I made a couple of notes that I thought were really cool. Obviously now that like that original production of Les Mis, which had a very famous turntable yes. in it, um, is no longer running in London and they've switched to the new production, I think that this might, might be our most iconic turntable currently in like modern theatre. I think I agree. Yeah. I That's a really that, good point, actually. Because yeah. how long has it been since that production? Was it 2010 that production of Les Mis got? Oh, oh no, no, no. It only replaced. it only switched over um, at the end of last year. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. The original that, was still running in London until right. then. I'm just thinking that that new production has been around a little existed, longer. That's when it existed, yeah, in yeah. 2010. Oh, nice. Um, and also that like so – um, obviously, obviously for a Broadway show, it might be built into the stage. Like they will have ripped the stage up, put the automation in yeah. and all that. But that, like they still have to find ways of making these things work on tours. Mm. So in those cases, often they'll like build a whole false stage on top so that the automation can kind of sit between the false stage and the real stage. Oh, yes. Yeah, so yeah. true. So that's really common as well. Um, I also just have a quote from David Corrins, the set designer, who I have to say I just think is a total fucking genius. Like You, you have to be. I like love that him. set. Holy shit. I love shit. him. I love him so much. And he's so intelligent. Like if you want to like just really get your head around set designing and stuff like that, follow mm. him on Instagram for one thing. He's, he's very amazing. articulate about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like listen to – he's definitely been interviewed on podcasts before. I think I listened to his episodes of Little Known Facts. It was like a double episode nice. with Alana Levine. Yeah. And he was so good on both of them. And he just really talks you through like his process and mm. stuff like that as well. Mm. So I have this um, quote from him that was about the the actual t- the revolve in, yeah. um, in Hamilton. So he said, I think I was inspired by the fact that Hamilton was swept off the island of St. Saint, Saint Croix. Yeah. yeah. By a, <laughs> I was like, I've never said that word out loud. <laughs> by a hurricane. I think I was inspired by the cyclical relationship of Aaron Burr and Hamilton mm. and the fact they basically had a cat and mouse game their entire careers mm. and their lives. There was also, of course, the political storm and the scandalous storm that Hamilton creates for himself. And then, of course, the turntable is a really great storytelling device to move things and people around on stage in a cinematic way. Yeah. Um, and I read that it was actually something that came in fairly late in the rehearsal process, the, wow. the revolve. Um, it would have been hard for the actors to sort of adjust to it, I yeah, reckon. Yeah, and, and basically like they, they they had the idea really early and then it kind of got kiboshed for a while mm. and then they went back to it like fairly late in the piece and Tommy Kale basically, the director basically said to David Corrins, you need to tell me ten reasons why we need this double turntable. <gasps> wow. And he basically just listed them and, and – and was I was convincing. like, yeah, all right, let's do it. I actually never considered the correlation between a hurricane and the turntable. Yeah, right. But now that I think about that song, Hurricane, yeah. oh, shit, it makes so right? much sense. Yeah. I know. Because so, they use it so cleverly, oh, as you will find out. Yeah, and like in the same way, I, I heard this interview with Tommy Kale where he also said, like, yes, we will do the turntable, but the show also has to work perfectly without it. So they yeah. all know Corey and stuff. If the turntable stops working, they just they do a different do they know a different version of the Corey. Wow. Which is the same for any show that has moving parts, basically. Yeah, you've got to be able to work yeah. around it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so very cool. That is cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm actually nerding out so hard over Oh, my here. God. I'm so excited. Did you know that Hamilton is probably my second favourite musical of wow. all time? 
Yeah. I love that, like, when we recorded the Hadestown episode, like, only a few months ago, you were like, that might be my favourite musical of all time. It's, it's see, slipped for a me, third, hasn't it? Well, I'm not sure because I say probably second because I think Hadestown is still second. Okay. So, for me, it's still probably Sunday in the Park, Hadestown, Hamilton. Yeah. But they, it's very close. Yeah. They're neck and neck. So, the funny thing with me is that I love Hamilton. And don't get me wrong, like yeah. every time I watch it, I pick up new things yeah. and that sort of thing. Intellectually, I think it is one of the greatest musicals yes. written. On a, For what, whatever reason, on a personal level, I don't like Doesn't fit love it in yeah. the way that I love other shows. Well, so interestingly, like I'm more emotionally connected to Fiddler on the Roof, for example. Yeah. Like it will always be a show that is much more special to me. Yeah. But I think it's the fact that Hamilton is just so clever. It is genius yeah that's why like you you just can't ignore it no you You can't can't. yeah you can't did you have any recommendations this week I do I actually want to recommend the an episode of the podcast stuff you should know I recommend this podcast anyway I love stuff you should know but their episode on Alexander Hamilton is really interesting I have not listened to that have you not no so it's basically like their quote the whole topic is Alexander Hamilton and the question is basically like is he the most influential American of all time and they they think that he is and so it's a really interesting dive into his life and they talk a lot about the musical as well and just what the musical has done for just the telling of of American history yeah Um, and yeah really who he was who Alexander Hamilton was as a man so it's a really good episode Um, I also think you should watch the film version of the musical 1776 yes that's my other recommendation. I'm going to talk about why this is relevant later, but just watch it. It's a really good movie I of, actually, of a good musical. I didn't list this as one of my recommendations, but also um, I was going to say listen to the musical 1776. Yes. I sort of forgot there was a film. I yeah. haven't seen it. With the same cast. Is it? Do you know, interestingly, this is such a side note, but like this is during Jack Warner times, like back in like uh, like Hollywood lots. Yeah. Um, and – they just done My Fair Lady, the film, mm-hmm. and Jack Warner had said he really regretted casting Audrey Hepburn as Eliza Doolittle yeah. over Julie Andrews because yeah, yeah. he really felt like that compromised the show and the integrity of the show. So the decision was made for 1776 to just bring the entire Broadway cast into the film. Wow. So it's sort of the because first. Because of that. Because of that. Like he really regretted My Fair Lady. Yeah. So he was like, that's not going to happen with this one. We're just going to bring the Broadway cast in. I love in. that. Yeah, I think it's really the first time that happened. The other show that you should listen to in a similar vein is Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson. Yes. Uh, which is a great show. Michael Friedman, I think that the composer's name is, who sadly passed away a couple of years ago um, of AIDS, which is like mm. really, I just oh. felt like, well, of, of HIV anyway, I, uh, HIV complications, but just felt really. So um, rare in, in modern. Yeah. Um, and like, I just, yeah, really sad. And he'd done amazing stuff already in his career and it, it was, it was really tragic, but Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson um, was on Broadway God, a long like ten years ago or so now, and but it's got some great songs. Um, yes, the it opening does. number's called Populism. Yeah, yeah, and it's just <laughs> like oh, it's such a good show. That's a good recommendation. Yeah. Um, so that wasn't actually one of my recommendations, but those are our like other two American history um, <laughs> related musicals. What are yours today? So mine is just the entire podcast, <laughs> The Hamilcar. Yes. I had listened to a few episodes of this previous to like doing the research for this episode, but I really went down a bit of a, a dive with this. Yeah. And I listened to a whole bunch. And it's just amazing because it's just like this um, – uh, Gillian Pensavale is the name of the host and she um, 
just was like this massive Hamilton nerd. And when it started, like she hadn't even seen the show. Yeah. Like when she started doing the podcast, she was just a massive Hamilton fan. Yeah. And so she started doing this podcast and like talking about it and talking to people who were somewhat involved. And now like Lin-Manuel's been on there twice. Like every member of the cabinet. And when we talk about the cabinet, we're talking about Lin-Manuel Miranda, Tommy Kale, Andy Blankenbuehler and Alex Lacamoire. Yes. Um, Every member has been on there. Like, and they're often like three part episodes, like an hour each part kind of thing. And yeah, if you are a Hamilton fan, you can go into some massive deep dives there. Yeah, you have to listen to it. It's so good. It's so good. Like I think there was one I saw the other week that was like Scott Wasserman, who's the Ableton programmer on the show. And it's like a double episode. Like so good. It's so in depth. Um so just yeah. Go that's, Hamilton. That's sound effects for anyone un- unsure. Oh, and just, uh, yeah, 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 literally that's right, yeah. sound effects. It's the <laughs> software that they use. Yeah, it's the software. But the other thing, um, what I think she's really good at is I believe she'd been an editor in like um, at, for her work previously. Oh. So she's really good at um, putting a lot of the, mu- like a lot of the stuff that they refer to. Oh, like are there little excerpts into, in there? Exactly. And what she does really well is often like if they talk about a little musical section, she'll put the bit with, um, them singing and then you know how there's the like instrumental versions she just like seamlessly it's like she'll just show you that they're singing but the music will keep playing or the instrumental version yeah it's just really clever yeah um it is well done yeah and so my other recommendations are obviously lots of you will have watched Hamilton on Disney plus is to go and watch the two extras that are also on Disney plus so the first is called the undefeated presents Hamilton in depth and that one really goes into a lot of the it's like they they're both zoom round tables yeah. the one that are on on um Disney plus, on Disney yeah. plus and this one really does go into a lot of the bigger questions that are being asked with Hamilton being on in the in 2020 and everything that's happening yes. and everything like that there's some really great stuff in there and the other one is called Hamilton history has its eyes on you and again they're both just like it's a lot of the same people it's a lot of the main cast and and Leon and Tommy Kale yeah um, but they're both really good. They're both really worth watching if you just want sort of general updates on how the, how the cast feel now and that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, Some cool really insights and yeah, stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Yeah. Jeez, we are going all out with Hamilton. Oh, I know. I love it. So do you want to talk about a musical? Sure. Do we talk about Hamilton? Is it Hamilton, an American musical? Yes, it is. <laughs> you know I love a little subtitle. <laughs> yes, this one, like Gypsy and a couple of others, is Hamilton, an American musical. An American musical. <laughs> love it. You well, want to start? Tell me your introduction to the show. Okay. I think I think it was super, super early, as, pretty much as soon as the cast recording came out, being yeah. like a music theatre nerd. Yeah. I just listened to the cast recording and straight away loved it. Yeah. Just loved it. But for me, like I loved it in a far away sort of way. Like, okay. oh, yeah, that's – I really like that musical. Yeah. I really – I knew I already really liked Lynn because I loved In the Heights. Like, so I just would listen to it but always in a way that this is going to be something that never really crosses my path. Yeah. And it wasn't until it really sort of gained traction, I would say even like a couple of years later, yeah. that it sort of did come across my path in, yeah. a, in a more like – tangible way I suppose just when maybe it opened on the west end and then there was rumors of it opening in Australia and then we heard the rumors that the that Disney was going to release it like then it became more real yeah do you know what I mean yeah 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 but it was it was like the film that really like well the film for me like because I'd always loved the cast recording but it's just not it's not accessible the way that the film is no so as soon as I could see the film like 
everything changed. Yeah, and now you've watched it a gazillion Just times. so many times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I had first heard of the show. I mean, like, literally I've been following Lin-Manuel on yes, Twitter pretty right. much since he's had Twitter. So, like, probably 10 years. Well, I remember when he was, like, writing this. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. And, um, you know, we'll talk about the origin of the show in a second, but, like, literally when it was announced that it was going to the public, I was like, Yes, I'm so excited, right? So I knew from like back then, like was ready for it, right? And then when it extended at the public, it meant that it was going to be on while I was there. Mm -hmm. And so I immediately, as soon as they put those new tickets on sale, I immediately booked two tickets. So I I first saw it off Broadway at the public. (laughs) I've I've seen it six times live. (laughs) How many of those are Broadway? So once at the public off Broadway. Three times on Broadway and yeah. twice on the West End. Shit. Yeah. So it's a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot. Over over five years, but yeah. And you've only seen the film twice, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I saw it the night it came out. We all, a group of us all watched it together. Yes. And then I watched it again this week in pre- preparation for this. Yeah. So I like the night that we watched it, that first night it came out, then I watched it the night Didn't after Didn't you see it literally husband? like four nights in a row or something? Yeah, I think that was what we did. Yeah. And then maybe like a week after we then watched it again. Yeah. Yeah. That's yep. amazing. <laughs> but, yeah, like it's funny because, as I said, it's always been something that I've really admired as mm. a show. But I actually have to say like watching the film has made me realise how genius it is yes. on a whole nother level. It's – um, yeah, the access to that film is just something that like I, I still can't believe – that we can watch it like that. Like I, I have to pinch myself every time I watch and it. And that, that cast like, – That cast – you know, put down I in know, history. I know, in that way. It's just not something you, yeah. like, we never get that, you no. know? Like, it's just not something we musical theatre fans really get no. to have normally. I love that we're glossing over the fact that you saw it three times on Broadway as if that's, like, not a big deal. It is a big deal. But also, like, the level of privilege. I know. God, guys, <laughs> Shit. you've got to remember um, that I am involved in it's musical theatre for work yes. um, and that, a lot of those have been related to my work. I also know a lot of people who also work in musical theatre, so I have had other ways of accessing things like tickets or house yes. seats or things like this yes. that not everyone gets to. I have also paid a lot of money for tickets. It's not, you know, and like in London I think I did the lottery mm. and got it one night mm. or something like, you know, like it's it's like, I yeah, you know, I have I also yeah. purchased tickets. but Well, I don't know if we're going to get into the, the ticket thing, but. Yeah, that's definitely worth having a conversation about just access to this show and yes. and that's sort of the magic of what Disney Plus ended Absolutely. up doing is that this show was so inaccessible yeah. for so long. Yeah. Um then now it's not. I know, I love it. Yeah. I love it so much. Do you want to tell us a bit about the show? Well, I thought you could start us off and I'm going to get into the deep deep stuff a bit later. Okay. Do you want to introduce it to us? Well, all right. Hamilton and American Musical, book music <laughs> and lyrics by Lin-Manuel Miranda. It is, of course, based in part on the 2004 biography, which is called Alexander Hamilton by Ron Chernow. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, do you want to tell us the story? Yeah, I can. Yeah. I haven't And really... then I'll talk about the production Okay, history. great. So, uh, look, I'm going to try and just do a, a synopsis in my head because I haven't written this down. <laughs> Basically, Alexander Hamilton, he's um, he's born in the in an island in the Caribbean. Actually, yep. I don't remember Nevis, what the name is. Yeah. Nevis, thank you, yeah. Um, he, he's born to a Scottish father and um, a local mother, I believe. Yeah. Uh, he's born out of wedlock. 
his father takes off and um, his mother dies of scarlet fever. Mm, couldn't tell you. No, could, I can't remember. They both got sick anyway and he was like 12 or something when she died. Um, and he lived like a pretty tough life at the beginning. He sort of pulled himself up by his bootstraps. He was very intelligent, sort of given a scholarship to study. And, yeah. you know, he used, um, used his brain to write a lot of stuff. He like clerked for a, a local um, businessman. Um, eventually made his way to New York uh, when he was like 19. Yeah, for college, I think. For college, yeah. He was going to go to King's College. Um, Then when he got to New York, he just sort of decided that he was super ambitious and wanted to, you know, become like the next big thing. This is sort of just at the dawning of the revolution. So he meets up with Aaron Burr. Uh, a, a guy that he sort of really respects. A bit, he's a bit old. Aaron Burr's a bit older, Yeah, he's right? a bit older. He's Couple already finished older. college at that stage. Yeah, so meets up with him as sort of like a like-minded person. And in the musical, basically Hamilton just decides he wants to be part of the revolution and free America and he has all these grand dreams and he meets he meets up with um, the Marquis de Lafayette, um, Hercules Mulligan, an Irish um, tailor's apprentice who's yeah. also a revolutionary and John Lawrence who's yeah. a um I actually don't know much about John Lawrence do you know oh, his deal one of the interesting things I do know about John Lawrence is that of all the characters in the show he is the most anti-slavery yes and there's there's this big question and um that Lynn has talked about in a few things where it's like of all the of all like we're talking about the real John the Lawrence real now, people, yeah. um, that just what he might have done if he hadn't have died so young. Yeah, so John Lawrence died when he was like twenty seven mm. um, in battle. Yeah, in battle, but he was and he was very outspoken against slavery and had some sort of really amazing plans for yeah. what he would do. Exactly, in he the wanted to start the first all black militia reg- yeah, like, regiment. Yeah, it just he was a really outstanding person I think yeah. more so than a lot of the others definitely yeah. um who are maybe problematic in some ways of course it's the 1700s everyone was problematic yeah so anyway um the revolutionary war happens Hamilton just sort of slowly rises through the ranks um in a war and it's interesting it's very true that like at a time when a, a person who is a bastard and a commoner would not have had the opportunity to come to a yeah. higher ups notice a war is a really good opportunity to prove yourself yeah so he does he proves himself he ends up um being asked by General George Washington to be sort of his right-hand man, yeah, um, which he does. He agrees to do that. He continues to fight. He's very um, – what's the word for him? Like he's ambitious but he's also just like incredibly tenacious. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like full-on character. In the midst of the war, he meets his future wife. Yep. Eliza. Elizabeth Schuyler. Yeah, Eliza Schuyler. What's interesting in the musical is that he actually meets the three Schuyler sisters mm. – Elizabeth, her older sister Angelica and her younger sister Peggy and um, it's sort of like it's framed as if he and Angelica really hit it off straight away but actually she, she you know. Had, she was already married. She was already married met. in real life to be yeah. honest. That's not really, that's not communicated in the uh, yeah. musical but it's anyway. More, it's more based on the fact that like there was all these letters between Angelica and Hamilton that were just very flirtatious basically. Yes, I find that yeah. so interesting. Yeah. But clearly they just had a nice relationship. Yeah, and it's like it's just they've kind of theatricalised and from, and from what – I've read in various things like Alexander Hamilton was just kind of a big flirt. Like, well, like if you have you read any of his letters with John Lawrence? I know they're so flirty. It, it, well, they, they a lot they of think people it's a theorize that they may have been lovers. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man, he he was a prolific letter writer. So yeah. we have a lot of information about the way that he wrote and maybe even thought. Yeah. I am telling the longest winded synopsis okay. ever. We're still at the middle of Act One. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, they he, win the war. They win. They win the <laughs> war. Yeah. Let's skip ahead. They win the war. Um, H- Hamilton has a baby. 
Burr is jealous. Basically, Aaron Burr is like the proper foil to Hamilton the whole yeah. way through. So he's like, it's very much Amadeus. So he's like Salieri, right? Yeah. Um, and you see him sort of really wanting greatness, but always being sort of held back by self doubt or yeah. by just like just not having that same level of. Uh, it's almost like Hamilton is like a kamikaze with just yeah. getting out there with his stuff and, yeah. and Burr doesn't have that. Anyway, Hamilton is asked to be Treasury Secretary by the now President Washington. So off he goes to be part of the cabinet. He, Thomas, s- he sets up America's first bank. Yes, he starts America's first yeah. bank. He starts the Coast Guard. He starts the Postal Service, which I hope is doing okay right now, by yeah. the way. Um, yeah, like he, he's really instrumental. He's a founding father, obviously. Yeah. So, And then, all of his friends in the first act, so Lafayette, Mulligan, Lawrence, well, particularly, you know, Lafayette, Lafayette and Mulligan, and Mulligan yeah. th- then become basically his foes in the second act. Yeah, so the actors portray different characters in act yeah. two and, yeah, become his foes. So become Jefferson and... Um, uh, James oh, Madison. And James Madison. Yeah. Oh, my God, I had a I saw your there. eyes go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then the actor who plays John Lawrence in, in the way that he has, yeah, this like really connection with in mm. the first act, yeah, but plays Philip, his first son, yeah. firstborn son. I actually love act. how they do that. I do too. Yeah. I do too. Anyway, we're going to skip to the end. Um, shit happens. He may have an extramarital affair. He may be involved in some dodgy financial dealings. Um, Burr in the end gets sick of it and challenges him to a duel. Before this, his son has died. It's very sad. Also in a duel. Also in a duel. Um, there are like three duels in the show. <laughs> uh, Aaron and um, Hamilton have a duel. Aaron Burr shoots Hamilton. Hamilton dies. Very sad the end. Very sad the end. That's yes. it. That's, and that's um, Alexander Hamilton. Yeah. So the show itself, so I'm going to give a bit of background as to how it comes about. So um, Lin-Manuel Miranda is in In the Heights at this stage, right? Like he's written In the Heights, he's still in it on Broadway and he's taking a vacation going to Mexico. Yes. And so for his vacation, he buys a book, Alexander Hamilton. Why would you buy this book? I know. Like you're at the airport and you could choose like Fifty Shades of Grey. It's like a beach read. This tome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So he buys this book, Alexander Hamilton by Ron Chernow at the airport. And after like a few chapters in, he's like, oh my God, this could be the perfect story for a musical. Yeah. Um, specifically he sees Hamilton's story as a true hip hop story. So that idea yes. of someone who literally writes their way out of their circumstance and into a better life. Yeah. So, you know, Josephine briefly touched on the fact that he had, he'd like won this scholarship to like get off the Island in the Caribbean and like go to America. Yeah. And that was like the town, like he wrote this amazing essay and the town yes. were like, we're going to pay for you to go to school. Yeah. But he's literally like a child and he wrote about, cause there had been a major hurricane on yeah. the Island and he wrote about the impact of that yeah like as a child really yeah so he yeah he literally doesn't it's not just like hip-hop yeah you write your way out of poverty like he wrote his way out of like death yes, really that's right certain death and and that is you know the theme throughout the show right like yeah i wrote my way out like that's yeah. something that and so yeah so how um, Lynn really sees that and yeah. he's like, oh, my God. Like, And the fact that it's like he gets killed by the vice president. You know, know. like there's all these like It's such a crazy st- It's like a Days of Our Lives exactly. story. Like yeah. he's just like, how is this not a show? Yeah. Right? And that, the Reynolds so, pamphlet and everything. Like it's yeah. all so full on. So to begin with, um, it's the project is initially called the Hamilton Mixtape. Um, and and Lynn always saw it as a concept album in the vein. We've talked about a lot of concept yeah, albums yeah. on this Jesus podcast. Christ. Jesus Christ. Superstar, Chess. Like these shows that all start Paris. as – 
exactly that all start as concept albums. Yes. Um, and that is really how he sees it to begin with. So he's invited to perform at the White House in 2009, like early in Obama's presidency for the evening of poetry, music and the spoken word, um, initially thinking that he would perform something from In the Heights, right? But instead of performing something from that, he basically is like, can I perform this song from this new, you know, thing that I'm writing, which is the opening number, Alexander Hamilton. Yeah, nice. Um, so that's in 2009. <laughs> um, hmm. He then sp- it spends the next several years writing at a slow pace. Like it takes him an in- entire another year to write My Shot. Of like, course it does. Um, but And then several songs are performed at an American songbook concert at Lincoln Center in January 2012. Um, and then there's a workshop held at the Vassar Reading Festival in July 2013. Um, from that workshop, only three cast members moved to the off-Broadway production, yeah. which is um, Lin-Manuel, David Diggs and Christopher Chris, Jackson. Yeah. Um, like so I would just call him Chris. Like he's Chris, my friend. Yeah, Chris. He's Chris. C-Jack as they call him. <laughs> <laughs> um, so previews start off-Broadway at the Public Theatre, as I mentioned, January 20th, 2015 and ran until May 3rd of that year. I saw it April 3rd, 2015. Shut up. Um, the show then moves to Broadway and starts performances July 13th, 2015 at the Richard, Richard Rogers Theatre, which is also where In the Heights was. Yes. And um, also 1776. Oh, love that. Yeah. Um, and obviously, except for COVID, it runs there till this day. Yes. Um, it was nominated for 16 Tony Awards at Fucking the 2016 hell. Is that Tonys? just like all the Tonys? That is um, <laughs> the – that holds it holds the record for the most nominations for a single production. Mm. Um, so it won 11 Tonys. It won okay. Best Musical, Best Book, Best Score, Best Actor for Leslie Odom Jr., Best Featured Actor for David Diggs, Best Featured Actress for Renee Elise Goldsbury. It won Best Direction for Tommy Kale, um, Best Costume Designer, as I already mentioned, Best Lighting for how, 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 oh, the lighting Howard is Binkley. So good. But I have to say Howard Binkley who passed away oh. just recently oh, and it's shit. really sad. Yeah, had a battle, a long battle with cancer I think. <sighs> um, but, yeah, very sad but just, just in the last month has passed away. Um, but incredible lighting. That like, lighting is incredible. insanity. Yeah. Um, best orchestrations for Alex Zuckermore and best choreography for Andy Blankenbuehler. Yes. Um, they performed Yorktown at the Tony Awards that year. Such an interesting choice. Yeah. Don't you reckon? I do. Um, what is even more interesting is that they performed it um, with no guns in their hands yes. because, of course, the pulse shooting in Orlando was literally like 24 hours prior to yes. that, not even. And so um, the decision was made that they would still perform the song but they would do it without any guns in their hands as a as a mark of respect to those who had died. Yeah. Um, so since Broadway opened, there have been two US national tours, <laughs> a sit-down production in Chicago, which has opened and it ran for a few years but has since closed, a San Francisco sit-down production, which was I think is still running, and the London production, which is still running, and Sydney is due to open in March 2021. Yeah. So within a few years there was something like – it was like six productions running – like between the UK and the US. Like that's insane. 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 Never heard of. Like, yeah. 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 So, yeah, that's the production history wow. of Hamilton. Wow, wow. Yeah. Can I talk to you about the music of Hamilton? Let's do it. All right, guys, get ready. Actually, before we do that, I just want to talk about quickly the role of the ensemble in this musical. Sure. I, as I was watching the other day for like the maybe 75th time, 
I just realised that the ensemble is a really interesting entity in this show. At times is like a literal ensemble. Yep. And at times is more representative, almost like the ensemble in Waitress, I would say. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Where they're kind of singing backing vocals and things like yeah, that. Yeah, backing vocals and almost then like being more ephemeral, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. And like literal set pieces. Yeah, things. literal set pieces rather than people or characters. Yeah, that's true. But they do like they're ve- it's very fluid in the way that they use the ensemble. Yeah, I actually think it's quite amazing that the show is as good as it is considering how often things like even though like Burr is our main is the main character. And and also like our main narrator to yeah. a certain extent like it starts off from his point of view whatever. Yeah. The narrator shifts a lot in a this lot. show. Like whose point of view it is and things like that. And yet we're never unclear. No. It, it's never – sorry, I'm just like really digging into my seat here. It, it's never confusing no. in that way. But also like I feel like the character of Burr, and maybe this is the power of Leslie Odom Jr. or just the writing, the character of Burr is you're always – he's always there. Like yeah. you never feel a lack of him. Like, no. He's just like always on the outskirts yeah. or whatever. I'll also say that the, one of the biggest things I picked up from the film, and this is the beauty of us being able to watch it over and mm-hmm. over again, Thank you, that, that I just didn't pick up really when I saw the show, is how often cast members, like are on characters stage. are on stage watching from like, the second level. The whole time. Yeah. Like there are characters, for example, like Angelica and Eliza don't really enter until like four or five songs in, but they're there from the beginning. Yeah. Like obviously they do Alexander Hamilton, the opening number, but they're also just like up on the rafters. Yeah. Or like on that mezzanine level the whole time. Yeah. Being set pieces or yep. just being ensemble or. And every now and then I'll notice like, you know, when, um, yeah, Hamilton's like having some conversation with whoever and like Lawrence is in the background yeah. watching or whatever, which is all that like history has its eyes on you. Like yeah, yeah, it's, it's very... all that stuff running through it. But it's quite amazing it's really. It's very clever. Because it'd be quite subliminal. Like when you're in the theatre, I never was like, oh, my God. Yeah, there's but, a but it's all it's, it's all affecting you. Yeah. Yeah. There's only really, like I think it's only sort of the character of King George and George Washington who don't really get used in that way. Mm. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So anyway, I wanted to talk about that, but musical. Yeah. I mean music. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> okay. Obviously, I love Lynn passionately. Yeah. But I just, and like, let's be clear that he's an in, He's just an incredibly talented synthesizer of existing ideas. Yes. So I'm I'm not saying that he's not a musical genius because I think he is a musical genius, but I it's my opinion that the mo- the thing the reason why this show is such a blockbuster and we love it so much is that it is it is known to us. Mm. There's actually nothing sort of new about this show. It's just been crafted in such a way that it's all of the best sort of things about musical theatre and music and, and storytelling put together in a way that we've never seen before, but that all of those elements are familiar to us. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because I think, like, there's this really great quote because um, Lynn is really good friends with um, Kander of Kander and Em. Yeah. Um, and he put it that, like, Lynn's talent is in synthesising things in a new way, but mm. things that we already know. Yeah. And it's really – I think that's what this show is. So yeah. I think he's just really clever at creating something brand new and fresh that at the same time is familiar to us. Yes. For a range of reasons. I think he's like very liberal borrowing from hip-hop, his borrowing from the music theatre songbook, and his use of classical music techniques is probably why it's so familiar mm. to us. So let's get nerdy. I want to start with all the musical theatre references. Let's do it. Of which there are many. Yeah. Okay, first one. Washington's first song is complete. Like the lines are borrowed from Pirates of Penzance. Yeah. He literally says, I am the very model of a modern major general. 
Yeah. So this is right hand man. Yeah, that's yeah. right hand man where he says it's – yeah, like boom. There we go. Pirates of Penzance. Burr says um, – I actually can't remember – it must be one of the – I think it's Aaron Burso maybe even. He says, I'm with you but the situation is fraught. It's in my shot. You've got yeah. to be carefully taught. Yeah, so good. Which is straight from South Pacific. South Pacific, Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Also this one, which I – as soon as I listened to it, I was like, I know exactly what that's from. At the end of Say No to This, um, it's quoted like direct from last five years. Actually, Lynn calls the song Nobody Needs to Know the ultimate infidelity jam. Yeah. And so at the very end of – um, say no to this he says nobody needs to yeah. know I yeah I saw this quote from him that was basically like he had this idea about putting that in there yeah. basically texted JRB straight away and asked for his permission yeah um, which he gave yeah, but also course. he loves the the kind of double meaning of no and no yes that's yeah. right yeah because oh, yeah the show the song is called say no to this no but at the end he says nobody needs to know yeah k-n-o-w yeah, yeah. very clever so obviously, as I've mentioned, there's a lot of correlations between this and 1776. Yes. Firstly, um, they played the same theatre, which we've already mentioned. 1776 is all about John Adams. Yeah. And very obviously, Lynn decided not to have John Adams yeah. in the show. He's literally like not a character. He's not a character. He's a voice. Like yeah. that's it. So he – I think that decision was actually made – because, and Lynn said it, 1776 did such a great job of actually solidifying who John Adams is. Yeah. And everyone who knows that musical. And because it's actually, like The Music Man, it's one of those films in America that I think everyone has, everyone has seen. Like, yeah. it's, it's much more common than it is here. Right. John Adams is like a... a a visceral figure for people. Yeah. So he, Lynn felt that he didn't need to personify John Adams. Um, Lynn actually has said that he thinks 1776 is the best book in the musical theatre wow. canon. Yeah. Of course, the line, sit down, John, um, that Lynn, well, Hamilton, I should say, Hamilton sings in the Adams administration comes straight from the song, sit yeah. down, John, from 1776. One fun fact that I'll interject here with yeah. is that because they bleep him, he it, it, you hear him say, you fat mother, and it gets bleeped, right, yeah. in the show. Like not just on Disney Plus where they bleep a few of the yeah, words. Yeah, they bleep it in the, the show. But they bleep it in yeah. the show because it's funnier. He's not saying you fat motherfucker. He's saying you fat motherfuck stick. Yes. Which I just think is great because it's <laughs> like who says fuck stick? It's great. Anyway. I actually use the term fuck stick a lot. Yeah, but like it's if, a very I bet if you saw that, you'd just be like, oh, he's saying motherfucker. Well, I, yes. Yeah, but yeah. he's saying fuck stick. I just think that's great. How did you find that out? It was in the book. <laughs> <laughs> the like Hamilton. That. Yeah. That's cool. All right. Um, this is my all-time favourite musical theatre homage. Mm. In the song Room Where It Happened. Happens. Yeah, sorry, Room Where It Happens. That's Shane's favourite number also. Yeah. Uh, for good reason. It's a total banger. The song is a complete classic Kandra and Ebb homage. Yeah. Um, it's like textbook Kandra and Ebb. So it's also the only time that the banjo – Enters oh, okay, the yeah. orchestrations. I think, like, if you listen to it, it's so, like, you you could be transported to any one of Kander and Ebb's, like, shows. It's very jazzy. Like, it's probably the only time we hear jazz chords yep. properly, seventh yep. chords. It's really got that, like, Prohibition era jazz thing going on yep. about it. It's a really cool slinky song. So, yeah. Yeah. That is all the musical theatre references I had. Did awesome. you have more? No, that's all. Okay. So, obviously, this whole musical is quintessentially hip-hop. It's so much more than just rapping and rhyming though. Yeah. And like Ruth mentioned earlier, like the story, it's and most of the themes are just classic hip-hop. So that whole thing of like, yeah, writing your way out and um, the revolutionary ideas, the lack of a father figure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And really like, 
Yeah, it's mainly that riding your way out, I think. Yeah. It's, it's just classic hip-hop. So heavily influenced by 90s hip-hop, it's incredibly syncopated. Syncopated meaning off the beat yeah. and rhythmic. Like throughout the whole thing, it's just so driving. And I think that's why if you don't like hip-hop, you're going to like Hamilton because it's so rhythmic and people just like a good beat. Yeah, Every song has a really good beat. Um, the progression of the songs also loosely follows the evolution of hip-hop. So cool. Isn't that cool? Yeah. I had a conversation with your husband about this. You did. So the rhythms become a lot more modern as the show progresses. So it basically starts one of the first songs is like sort of early hip-hop and then it progresses into more modern hip-hop as the show progresses. Yeah. Which I just think is so clever. And it also sort of mirrors that idea of the revolution. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's so clever. Each character also has specific hip-hop influences. Mm. So like Thomas Jefferson, for example, his style is very much early, early hip-hop, almost like sort of hillbilly Right. To a point. And, and uh, Alex Lacamoire's mentioned why and so is Lynn. It's more like because Thomas Jefferson was in France for a lot of a lot of sort of the early beginnings of um, of America. When he comes back, they wanted to portray him as like a little bit behind. Mm. Like he's just missed something and he's yeah. missed like the beginning of hip hop yeah. almost. Um, I like that by the time the duel happens, meaning like um, – what's the name, The World Was Wide Enough, like yeah. by the very end, it's pretty much a slam poem. Like, you know when Burr yeah. shoots and it pauses? And it's like silence. It's silence. There's yeah. no music. It's pretty much slam poetry, yeah. which I think is like the culmination of rapping I've also, almost. I've also heard Lynn say that when he wrote it, he d- he was kind of at a loss as to what to do. Yeah, And he wow. was like, the only trick left in my bag is silence. Yes. Like it was just like... Well, I've I've thrown everything I can it's, at it this. It literally is all out there. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It's actually it, the first time I ever heard it, I was like, oh, that's interesting. I don't know why. Mm. But it's so well done. It's so well staged. Yeah. So well, well when you see that like bullet moving, yeah. yeah. Oh, amazing. Because he knows he's about to die. Um, yeah. So you really see the evolution of performance poetry, which is really what hip hop is. Um, my shot is full of early references to some major MCs. Yeah. So Notorious Big is a big one in my shot. Yeah. The Winter's Ball also nods to the Beastie Boys. Yeah. Um, the female songs, particularly Helpless, is classic R&B love song. Like yeah. lots of Beyonce, lots of Brandy yeah. and Monica, Jennifer um, Lopez. Satisfied is like, like Lynn once did this playlist of like all his direct yes. references. And Satisfied is Beyonce's song Countdown. And I didn't know the song. Helpless. Helpless is Countdown. Oh, is that? I yeah. thought it was Satisfied. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, and I just remember, and then I like listened to that song. I was like, oh my God, I love this Particularly song. that thing like, because um, Eliza says something like stressing and blessing. Yeah. And all of that sort of rhyme. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Um, the Ten Jewel Commandments come straight from the Ten Crack Commandments by Biggie Smalls. Um, the cabinet meetings, also classic uh, like rap battles, reminiscent mm. of 8 Mile, Eminem's 8 Mile. Um, the original cast recording had a lot go into it. And yeah. this one I thought was really cool. The Roots, you know, the, yeah. um, the hip-hop band from The yeah, Tonight Quest Show. Love. Yeah, yeah, they produced it. I know. Um, you can actually really tell that a lot of production and thought went into the cast recording. It was also produced by like Atlantic Records. Yeah. Like, and which is a massive deal. It's a big deal. Yeah. But also like Alex Lacamoire talks about it, how he had to go to Atlantic and be like, I need more money and I need more time to make this what yeah. it needs to be. Yeah. And he was so right. I don't know if you read this about Alex Lacamoire that he is um, partially deaf. No. Yeah. So he has hearing aids in both ears. Shit. Yes. Yeah, so Alex Lacamoire, who's both the musical director and, and, the, and orchestrator. the orchestrator, um, has had a he- hearing issue since he was a child. Oh, wow. And so even now, like he's got these hearing aids and, he, and it's fine, but like 
it, yeah, there are things like there are certain high tones and stuff where he'll always ask someone else to listen to it again Fuck. just to make sure that's incredible sort of what he's hearing correctly. Is that incredible? Insane. Yeah, he's I I'm obsessed with Alex Lacamoire. He's so talented. Well, I mean, we've talked about this before. Like, I I feel awful even saying this. I just am not sure if Lynn without uh, Alex Lacamoire the cabinet. Well, yeah, like I like who is Lynn really without that Look, cabinet? It's funny. So yeah, so you know, and like. Tommy Kale, like him and the director, Tommy Kale, who, yes, is a genius. But then it's like, I know we say these things, but it's like, well, it's just that everyone's working at their best, yes. right? Like everyone's working yeah. at the highest level. Yeah. It's still Lynn going away and writing. I mean, lyrically, he yes. is so incredible. Well, also like he came to Alex Lacamoire with lyrics and chords as well. Like yeah, he, like he would he had demos. Music. Yeah. That's it. And, yeah. then, and then give them like, it's definitely still a case of like Lynn being a genius. But the I think reason it's more that the show, that's yeah. right. Yeah. The reason that the show is so genius on every level is just this symbiotic relationship between all of these people. Yeah. I think. Like, yeah, totally. Like we're just, it's just on a whole nother level because yes. of that. It's just like this great confluence of events that exactly. had to happen. It wasn't just this one man. Yeah. But I mean, like we talk about with Sondheim, all of his great genius happened with like Hal Prince. That's right. happened with James Apine. That's right. Or like, like it's all about collaboration. It doesn't happen in a bubble. Yeah. yeah, totally. So Alex Lacamoire anyway is a genius. I want to talk about the British influence. Yeah. Um, and the character of King George. Yep. So the song You'll Be Back is very clearly Beatles inspired. And there's a lot you can read a lot about why it's inspired by the Beatles. It features the same descending bass lines as a lot of the Beatles songs, particularly Eleanor Rigby. There are also elements of like Penny Lane, Getting Better, and All You Need Is Love in yeah. there. But I love that Lynn has chosen the Beatles to represent King George. Obviously, the Beatles are British and so is King George. Yeah. But also, just for a bit of historical context, when the Beatles sort of exploded into pop music in 1960, it was really the beginning of what is now called the British Invasion. Yeah. So we call that like when the Rolling Stones came in and yep. when American pop music was really dominated by British um, groups, it's called the British Invasion. Yeah. And I think that – I just think that level of like – yeah, Lynn like definitely thought of that because I mean that's exactly what was yeah. happening. It's also that song's one of the only times in the show that we hear the harpsichord, the instrument. Mm. In fact, the harpsichord's really only heard in Farmer Refuted, which is like the only other time that the Brits are supported at yeah. all. And anytime King George sings, yeah, it's like, yeah, the. The harpsichord is like a, that would have been a popular instrument at the time. The harpsichord was really popularized by Bach, who died in like seventeen sixty, I think right. it was. So like re, it's right Just around before, the time. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So yeah, that would have been like the popular style yeah. of music at the time. My uh, a couple of you'll be back facts for you. Oh please. Um, Lynn wrote it on his honeymoon in two thousand and ten, <laughs> like Romantic. without a piano or anything with him. It just like came to him on his honeymoon. Nice. Um. And the actual idea of the name of the song came from British actor Hugh Laurie. So um, Lynn was on House. He was on like a multi-arc episode of House at one point. Yes. So I think he just like stayed in touch with Hugh Laurie and they were having conversations. He's also a musician, yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, band from TV, was that the name of his band? I yes, think it that's was. right, yeah. yeah. So like a play on band, band. from TV. It was all these TV ac- actors were in this um, rock band together. Yes. You're right. And um, so Lynn knew him from there and one day they were discussing the idea of like like that if King George had a song kind of what, what it would, would it be, be and what it would be about. And he basically like waggled his finger at Lynn and was like, oh, you'll be back. Like basically said that. And so yes. yeah, that was what the idea came I, from. I love the sentiment of it. Yeah. It's so cleverly done. Yeah. It's oh, that's so cool. Good. I like that. Um, okay. What was I up to? Oh, I just want to do a little side note. You know the song Helpless that we were just talking about? Yeah. 
I actually only realized as I got into a really deep Reddit dive. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In the song Helpless, Alexander Hamilton is like a character in there, but he never says the word helpless back. Like you already get the sense in that song that his feelings are not quite reciprocated in the way that like Eliza is clearly Mm, so in love with him. So dedicated. So dedicated, but he's maybe not quite there. And in the song Say No to This, he says helpless a lot. Oh, Which is just like... It's like he's really shoving that yeah. knife home. What a douche. I actually love that. Lynn made the decision because it's disputed whether he actually had this affair or not. Yes, or, or whether, whether it was just his way of like. Covering up a much more serious crime. Yeah. Yeah, so the for those who don't know, the story is that maybe the accusations against Hamilton that he was um, using government funds for like investments or what at the time was illegal speculation but then he said in his Reynolds pamphlet that, no, he was just having an affair with this woman. And it was to pay off her husband. And it was husband. to pay off her husband. Some historians think actually, no, that was an excuse that he made up to Yeah, he'd to rather be the, known for this like massive scandal yeah, and than have be it, known like, ruin his like family. Personal life, yeah. Yeah. Which I, I think that's just, if that's true, that's one, the douchey thing One thing, thing I ever. find fascinating, and I think this even comes up in one of those Zoom roundtables um, that are on Disney+, Plus, but that thing where people talk about um, or maybe you've like glorified Hamilton too much. And he's like, if you walk away from this show thinking he's oh, a good yeah. guy, then I, I don't know what to tell you. Well, like this is what, this is my point with the song say no to hit, say no to this. Lynn has very clearly made a decision to portray him as a total yeah. douche. Like he is not shied away from the fact that Hamilton is not a great guy. Even just the way that we see him like constantly, like kind of, kind of pushing back his family and wanting to go for power more totally. and stuff like that. But like from the beginning, he's not a sympathetic character. I agree. I find Aaron Burr far more sympathetic. And we can and we can still marvel at, you know, the amount that he wrote yes. and, and like those sorts of things without thinking that he has to be like an amazing person. Totally. Yeah. But like just because the musical is called Hamilton doesn't mean he's the hero in yeah. inverted commas. It like, also doesn't mean it's referring to him. Mm-hmm. Oh, love it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I also want to mention that musically the only time a modulation happens – I mm. think in this musical is in Take a Break. So not in Farmer Refuted when he says, don't um, modulate the key and not that, debate with that's me. That's the only time it happens and that happens like ironically. Yes, and such a good line. It's such a good such a good modulation. Yeah. The only other time I should say that the key modulates is in Take a Break. There's yeah. a really obvious key change in yeah. the middle of the song and it's such foreshadowing that we're about to go into say no to this yeah and it's clearly like Hamilton's been given the opportunity to not do the thing he's about to do so it's really like honing in that this guy's a bit of a dickhead he's taken this path he has chosen this yeah yeah okay my absolute favorite musical thing I'm talking so much that Hamilton does is motif yeah like Particularly leitmotif. Yeah. So leitmotif is a short, repeated musical phrase that represents something. Usually it represents a character or an emotion. Yeah. Um, it's popularly associate, associated with the operas of Wagner. Yeah. And it's really commonly used in film. Yeah. Like if you watch Star Wars, you know when Darth Vader is coming because you can hear the Imperial Death yeah. March start to the, yeah. the episode that we talked about it most with was Sweeney Todd. Yes. Because it's so much used in Sweeney All Todd. All through Sweeney Todd. Yeah. And it's not actually a very common thing in musical theatre. No, not necessarily. No, not necessarily. So this what this musical does is such great use of motif. Yeah. It also um, – so every major character has like a certain musical theme and also the major characters are represented by particular instruments. Yeah. So Hamilton's instrument is the drums. Eliza's instrument is the violin. And when you listen back, you're going to be like, oh, shit, yeah, there is a lot of violin there. Yeah. 
Burr is the cello. Yeah. Angelica is the harp, and Washington is represented by the Wurlitzer electric piano. Oh, nice. I know, sexy. Washington, I'm just going to call him Daddy. Daddy. <laughs> Such <Zaddy>. a daddy. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, if you didn't know that now when you listen, you will totally hear this. Aaron Burr has a really cool recurring bass line yep. um, that represents him. I'm pretty sure it follows the chordal structure of chord one, chord six, and chord three. Yep. It, just in a range of different keys and tonalities. Like sometimes it's in sort of a major tonality and sometimes it's minor yeah. depending on where he is in his life. So clever. Um this is probably the most well-known of them, so I'm not telling you anything new, but Philip has the most obvious recurring yep. motif of the counting and it's the same as in the Ten Jewel Commandments, which is eventually how he dies. So yeah, it's, total, it's like, like foreshadowing. Total foreshadowing. Like as soon as um, Eliza sort of announces she's pregnant, you hear that motif yeah. straight away right up until he dies. Um, and often the song doesn't make it all the way to ten whenever it's sort of represented for yeah. him um, because he dies before they count to ten, which is clever and it's sort of nice. And it's it's the nicest, I think, when they, you know, when it's quiet uptown where they do it backwards. Yeah. So good. I also just want to shout out to Chris Jackson who sings one last time like an absolute motherfucker. Oh, my God. That voice. Love him. Shane went on a binge of watching Freestyle Love Supreme and he's like, I love Chris so much. He's just, yeah, he's beautiful. He's so good. I know. Yeah. And he just like is Washington. Yeah. Oh, he is. He is so good. I love the character of Washington. Yeah, me too. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Um, I love the like um, the Angelica Eliza, you know, like the Angelica, yeah, and Peggy, yeah. like how that is also kind of their theme. Yes. Like they do that in at different the end, songs. At the very end with the Eliza. Yeah. All that. And because I did hear a thing recently where it was basically like at one point in Helpless, I think, or in in Satisfied, somewhere in that those two songs where I think Angelica does Eliza's like – like her line yes. kind of, they like do it they in, switch it. They switch it a couple of times. They switch it in Take a Break as well when yeah. they greet each other. Like they, yeah. it's, that's how they greet oh, each so other too. Clever. So clever. I just want to pause and say that I think that Helpless and Satisfied are the best. is like two of the most genius songs and stage songs in like maybe in musical theatre history. When you watch them staged, yeah. holy shit. Holy Particularly shit. Satisfied, I reckon. Well, yeah, I mean, but you kind of have to watch Helpless to get it. Oh, yeah, well, they're, they're a sequence. Yeah. Totally, but oh, I shouldn't. I should have mentioned too that um, Wagner's what, the "Here Comes the Bride," yeah. which is a Vag- I think that's Wagner. Yeah, that's in Helpless. Yes, da, 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 yeah, da, yeah. So many references. I know, but the staging. Oh my god, the staging is satisfied. It's insane. Oh, and it goes back further than the beginning of Helpless. I know. It goes back to when um, at the beginning of the Winter's Ball. Yes, that's where it goes back to. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Stop it, Hamilton. Stop it. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Um, should we talk about the cast? Sure. What do you think of the original cast? I just think they're all incredible. All of them? Yes. Every single one of them? I do. Do you have any issues with the casting? No. I do. Do you have any issues with Lynn? I have issues with Lynn and Philippa Sue. Really? Yes. The funny thing is, so when I rewatched it this week and I was watching it with a, a couple of girlfriends and uh, one of them had never seen Hamilton before mm. and her comment was like, she hadn't seen Philippa Sue in anything before and she was like, oh, my God. And she, like, fell in love with her. Oh, she's and beautiful. And she was like – and she was – as in, like, her voice. Oh, yeah. She's she was just like, voice. I haven't heard a voice like this in a long time. It's interesting because I I vacillate between, like, she, she's she got a stunning voice. For me, it's not – it's not 
enough. Do you want it to be more like like stronger? At times I want it to be oh, stronger. Interesting. There are I times actually like that it's not. I love I love the quality of her voice. Like, don't get me wrong, I think she's an incredibly talented performer. Yeah. But particularly in Burn, I want her to have a bit more grit. Like I want her to have a bit of vocal grit. And mm. she does she I know that she can though. She mm. just never turns it down in Hamilton ever. Interesting. Interesting. Like I think a lot of people watching the the Hamill film, the Disney Plus have said like, oh, it's a shame that like Lynn's singing voice isn't that strong. Oh, well, that that's completely true. But I also just think like it doesn't matter. It's, like I literally think it doesn't matter. I agree. And I also think the amount of times that Hamilton sings compares to, compared to when he raps, like you need Lynn to be rapping yeah. that role. And I will say like, you know, I've seen a few different Hamiltons now and like I've seen ones that can really sing yeah. and it is different. Like it, yeah. it, it really does change the character. Um, it's really just the song Hurricane that I struggle yeah. with. Because it's such a long time for him to sing. Yeah. And, and it, I just think Lynn And I also think he's so notes. emotional yes. in that, in the film as in well. In the film particularly. Yeah. But like uh, I skip that. It's the only song I skip on the cast recording. Yeah, interesting. I just don't like, I actually don't mind Lynn's voice, particularly like in Mary Poppins Returns. Mm. I think he does a really good job yeah. when, he's, when he's in an accent and in a character. Yeah. But I think in Hamilton he's just too close to it. He's too emotional and he's written a song for a person who has just a slightly higher voice than yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, interesting. <laughs> I'm surprised at your Philippa Sue reaction though. I really do. Like I don't – it's honestly not like a – she. she's not a sticking point. I think she's incredible but I just feel sometimes like she could have gone places that I think that character needed. Yeah. Like at, at times I just think that character – I think there's so much more to her and I don't think she fully explores it. One thing I think we should mention is that her and Jasmine Cephas-Jones who plays Peggy oh. and then um, – uh, Mariah. Mariah in the second act um, are like in, say, in their mid-20s and that when that was filmed. Yeah. And there's Renee Lise Goldsbury in her mid-40s, like literally Can 20 we talk years about older. She's 47. She's like so stunning. I can't. Uh, I can't with her. She is perfect. She is perfect. But maybe that's why Philip. I struggle with Philippa Sue is that Renee Lise Goldsbury is just so good. Yeah. Like just all-time good. Yeah. Oh, I love – I really love Philippa Sue in it. Yeah. I, I think she acts the hell out of it. She does. Oh, she's a beautiful actress. Yeah. Honestly, like for me to say that this is a problem, it's not a major problem. It's just like that's the only one where I'm like, oh. Yeah. I, like I, and I get people's like things with Lynn and stuff and I, I do think that like I wouldn't now, replace Lynn though. Huh? I wouldn't replace no, Lynn. No, that's right. Yeah. And I do think that like if they're going to go see a production of Hamilton now, they're going to see someone who's a much stronger singer yeah. and they'll get a different version of it, you yeah. know, and that's fine. Yeah. So I but sort like, of go. At the end of It's Quiet Uptown when he cries in the film, like you, you that's what you want. You yeah. want him like losing his exactly. shit. Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. And Philippa Sue does like – she hits her straps, I think, towards the end of the show. Like yeah. she really comes into her own at yeah. the end of the show. Yeah. But that's probably also the way it's written for that character yeah, anyway. Yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. And like there's David Diggs. Oh, fuck. Never done a musical before in his life. And just killing it. Yeah, killing it. I love his like limp. Yeah. Which is more He's like, like kind of strut. It's like a pimp walk. Yeah. That's what he says. Like yeah. It's, yeah, like he's a yeah. proper. He, and like well-deserved Tony Award win. Like, Fucking oath. He's so good. But who stole the show? It's Leslie Odom Jr. Oh, a perfection. He's proper perfection. I have a Leslie Odom Jr. fact that I'm going to chuck in here. Please. Which is that, so when they were doing the Hamill film, the Disney Plus film, um, and I heard this. I love, in, your, I love your correct terms for all the things. I like, have to give them like the names. In the, the, that is what the community calls them. <laughs> the Hamilton like, community. So, yeah. The Hamill community. Yeah. It's Hamil, like. Hamill um, community? 
<laughs> so the Hamill film, hashtag Hamill film, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, is what it's called. Um, is, the Hamill Chris Tome Jackson the, the Hamill book. daddy? <laughs> he is. Um, so um, I just recently listened to Leslie Odom Jr. on Dax Shepard's podcast, Armchair Expert. Oh, yeah. And um, when he was on there, he was just talking about how when they were – he actually just talked a lot generally about like Black Lives Matter and about like the industry having to reckon with, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that we've talked about in terms of the anti-racism work and stuff like that yeah. and making things more equitable. And one of the things that he talked about was how when they were – going to be filming the um the stage show that they hadn't yet like negotiated with him what he would be paid for it mm. and he um he basically said to them um look you've just done Grease live i want to get whatever that white boy got as in Fuck aaron's yeah. fate who was playing danny yeah. and like you know he's like that's no disrespect to Aaron's fate. He's just no. like, he, that's Greece. He knows that he's the star yeah. of what the biggest musical The biggest in the world. musical ever. I don't need a penny more. I want to get what that white boy got for Greece Live. Oh, I love him. Right? And he did. Like, I love him. Yeah. Oh, even yeah. like watch his Oscars acceptance speech. He's his so. Tony's. Oh, sorry. <laughs> he deserves it. One day an he'll Oscar. get an Oscar. <laughs> he, he is so talented. He's though. so talented. But also like he's so earnest. Like yeah. he's clearly just a really oh anyway yeah I love him I think he's he's I do think he steals the show he steals the show yeah and not in a not in like an upstaging way not in an obnoxious way and not in a way that leaves everyone else way behind no I think he lifts the whole show yeah but like you cannot take your eyes off him no he's so dynamic exactly his movement even I know. like he's oh he's so good I know what's you know the song where he's up on the table and then he jumps and they lift they rip that's, the tablecloth that's room where it happens. is that room where it happens. Yeah. Fuck, I love it. Yeah. Oh, shit. So good. Oh, stop it. And, of course, like, I mean, there's so many moments that are so – like, when we talk about, like, that dynamic between Burr and Hamilton, there yeah. are so many moments that are so great. And, like, one of them is that thing of room where it happens where it's, like, for, like, a night – Hamilton decides to act like Burr would and, yeah. of course, it works for it him. It works. And it hasn't been working for Burr for all these years. There's so many of those moments in the show that are so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, have you got any more music facts for us? No, or I don't. Cast, cast facts? No. Well, like we, I mean, we could talk. I actually do want to talk about Oki. Yeah, who's Oak, so yeah. good. Yeah. What do you think about his voice? We don't really hear him sing that much, do we? He just has like moments where you hear this delicious, smooth, beautiful tone. Yeah, love and him. You're like, oh, there he is. And I love how. So, all, so all different. Them, he's so different in the first yeah. act and the second act. I had to like tell Shane because he cle- you can clearly tell David Diggs is like, okay, David is now yes. Thomas Jefferson. But when when he came out as James Madison, when I came out as James Madison, I was like, oh, that that's Hercules Mulligan with yeah. the beanie on. And Shane was like, no, it isn't. You idiot. <laughs> isn't that funny? But like he, he's it's quite a transformation. Yeah, it is. He's so good. He's so good. Yeah. I don't even have that much to say except that he's just got that like. Great physicality. Big physicality. He's like so like brawn. He's all the brawn in the first act. And he really jumps around the stage. Like exactly. he throws his weight around. And he does all the brat, brat, all that stuff yeah. is so good. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Love him. <laughs> Love them all. Love them all. You know that Jasmine, Jasmine Seffers, and Yeah, so Jasmine <laughs> Seffers Jones, who you, I'm sure people listening know this as well, who plays Peggy and um, Anthony, Ramos. Anthony Ramos, who plays um, Lauren's uh, engaged yeah. in real life and they met doing and the show. as we mentioned in the In the Heights episode, um, Anthony Ramos is yes. playing um, Usnavi playing in the film. In the film, yeah, in the upcoming I'm film. I'm so excited. Yeah, me too. Yeah, he was I, also in A Star Is Born with Lady Gaga. Yes, I know. Yeah. When 
like when I first heard that he was playing with Snavi, I was like, oh, I don't know who this guy is. He's not going to be <gasps> as good. But as soon as I saw Hamilton, I was like, oh, he should be Osnavi. He's yeah. perfect. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's the cast. Chris Jackson obviously is like one of the best. Lynn's like oldest collaborators. Is a part of Freestyle Love Supreme, good. as we mentioned. My only complaint about Hamilton, honestly, is that I don't think George Washington gets enough time on oh, stage. Oh, interesting. Like I just think he needs more. He does get real like gravitas when he is on stage. Oh, yeah. Though. Like he is daddy. Yeah. <laughs> I know I keep saying that, but he Daddy's is. Daddy's calling. He I love is, that. Though. Oh. Yeah, that line. Oh. So good. I love him in the cabinet battles. Yes. Oh, the cabinet battles are some of my so, favourite numbers me in the too. show. Me Especially too. watching the film. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to go through some more fun facts. Yes. Yeah. So um, in mid-2015, it was announced that Alexander Hamilton would be taken off the $10 bill. So, you know, there's a line in the show, the $10. The $10. Founding father. Father without, without a, father. a father. He'd been on the $10 bill for a long time and um, they sort of the mint were kind of like, well, we're going to put a woman on the uh, money for the first time. Um, and, that, yeah, they were originally planning to take him off to put a woman on in the end in part because of the popularity, like his popularity exploding because of the musical, they overturned the decision in 2016. So instead they will be phasing out, we talked about Andrew Jackson, who is an awful, awful president um, on the $20 bill and replacing that. Bloody Andrew Jackson. Yes, um, instead. But, yeah, isn't that incredible that the musical was what changed that basically? I love that. Yeah, incredible. Um. For the first three previews at the Public Theatre Off-Broadway, there was a small reflecting pool on stage Ooh. that was revealed uh, at the end of the show and sort of sung into for the finale, mm. um, at, you know, in terms of like reflecting on like yeah. time and that sort of thing. They sort of realised it didn't work. Like yeah. they gave it the first three previews and were like, it's not working. Yeah. And so it was no longer in the show. Um, that moment but of course it was just still under the stage for the rest of the run oh, of the cool. public because you're not going to take it out like no. it's part of the stage so yeah so for the rest of the run at the public there was just a small pool under the stage <laughs> I that's love that. cool yeah um there's only one song that doesn't appear on the cast recording yeah uh which is called tomorrow there'll be more of us and it's just a little tiny moment yeah and yeah. actually like lynn refers to it as kind of their only actual scene in yeah. the show yeah um and that is the scene where hamilton receives the news of lauren's death mm. basically it actually makes sense that they omit it from the cast recording because it's like correct me if i'm wrong but you've just had um history is it yeah, history? Yorktown. Yeah, yeah Yorktown. Which is and then and then you go into non-stop yeah those two actually flow really nicely is it non-stop i thought it was dear theodosia in there somewhere oh. afterwards anyway it's the end of first act yeah it's towards the end of first act yeah yeah there's it's that moment and then you don't hear like on the cast recording it's that you don't hear um eliza's scream when philip dies either yeah but that wouldn't because also that wouldn't be in like the, the script necessarily no, do you know no. what I mean but, yeah well. you don't hear her react yeah that's pretty much all you don't yeah. hear yeah and there's like a couple of little like interstitial music bits and stuff yes. that you don't hear as well yeah but yeah that's the only like song that's scored that you don't hear yeah but because they sort of see it as a scene let's talk about the bullet yeah so we mentioned this briefly in terms of um at the end of the duel when when Hamilton dies but basically the bullet in the case of the film is played by an actress called Ariana DeBose who 
like at the time obviously was just an ensemble member but yeah. has since been nominated for a Tony. She played Donna Summer in the Sum- Donna Summer musical. Yeah. She's also playing Anita in the upcoming West Side Story film directed yes. by Steven Spielberg. So like a total fucking star in her own right. Yes. But is in the ensemble of mm-hmm. Hamilton, the original cast of Hamilton. So um, – at the beginning, she's the one that gets assassinated for spying under King George's orders at the end of You'll Be Back. And, like, from that moment on, the character is always sort of connected to the world of the dead. Yeah, she's like death. Yeah. Mm. So it's like, for example, in Stay Alive, she's the bullet that almost kills Hamilton, sort of flies right Over by his, his head. head. Yeah, yeah. Um, in Yorktown, her and Lawrence are working together to win a fight against a British soldier. I think they shake hands, they don't shake they? They shake hands, yeah. Cecilia's fate, and then he dies yeah. soon after. Um, you know, I know him. She's the one bringing the message to King George about John Adams. Yes. Um, symbolically heralding the impending doom of Hamilton's political career. In Blow Us All Away, she's one of the two people that like Philip talks to. Like, Philip, yeah, tells him where like, to find Charles. With. Yeah. 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 Um, and then of course he, he dies. dies. <laughs> um, in Your Obedient Servant, she brings the desk on stage and hands Burr the quill to write the first of several letters. That obviously eventually leads to like the jewel, the jewel, yes. like when they um. Uh, propose a duel to each other and then of course in the climactic duel she is the the bullet that's yeah. flying from Burr's gun yeah. um, and um, yeah and then she's like it's so incredible the staging and she does it so well it's she like does. you think there's a bullet there in her hand yes um, yeah and it's then they so well and done. then they stop her the ensemble physically sort of stop her and um, mm. um, at, like with the time freeze and everything and then, yeah. yeah, and then Hamilton runs out of time basically. Yeah. But, yeah, just incredible. It's so cool. I actually – I didn't realise it the first time. Like yeah. that, that's a level of detail that if you were sitting in an audience in a theatre, you would just not see that. Yeah. You wouldn't. No. But that's no. – I think that's just – that's indicative of just how much goes into this musical. I know. Like I remember thinking that it was the same person who is the bullet the few times we physically see her carry the bullet. Yeah, like you see her but holding it. it. Yes. Like not necessarily any other of those things, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's so so many layers. So many layers. Um, there's more than 20,000 words in the show, huh. averaging 144 words per minute. Oh, shit. And I read an article that said that if the words were said at the pace of a, like a normal musical, yeah. it would take like four to six hours. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Isn't man. that amazing? I love that. Yeah. Um, the set changes between the acts. Yes, it does. So the brick walls um, behind the scaffolding actually get eight feet taller mm. um, and because the country is progressing and that foundation is getting bigger, mm. David Corrins has said, and um, quills and parchment replace the rifles hanging on the walls. Yes. Um, he said because the war is over and now it's time to govern. Yes. Um, oh, those details. Yeah, so good, so good. So that's my um, uh, fun facts, but I thought we'd talk a little bit about a couple of other talking points, one of which is, and we've mentioned this in, we mentioned in the chorus line episode and I feel like something else, but the renegotiation of the contracts that took place with the cast. So um, we've talked about profit sharing and all that sort of thing and and the workshop contracts and all those sorts of things. So in the early stages of Hamilton, um, Equity sought a workshop contract that would allow actors a share of future royalties, but actually the parties couldn't reach an agreement at the time. So they instead, the actors in the original cast signed like a modified lab contract that instead just gave them the right of first refusal to their roles but not profit participation, Mm. um, royalty participation. So basically in August 2015, the cast began asking the producers to reconsider and grant them a share of the profits when it was clear just like how ridiculously successful the show was. 
Um, and this was sort of as the show was opening on Broadway, this was really happening. And eventually they reached an agreement um, on profit sharing with the original cast. Now, we don't know the exact details of what that is. Um, but yeah, so they now, that original cast do get a share of some sort of profit participation, yeah, which is good. a real win, I think. That and is. of course, that led to the strike, the like lab, um, not a lab rat strike in 2019 and the renegotiations of the like equity lab agreements. Yeah. Which that was really like about. a turning point for that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So good. Good on him. I know. And I, and I have a feeling that like Leslie was kind of the person leading that as yeah. well. And yeah. like just in hearing him in interviews, like he's just someone, I've even heard him say like, oh, people think, I'm being like bossy or aggressive or whatever. And it's like, no, I'm asking to be at the same level yeah. as like, you know, like he's, he's not just asking like, to be above exactly, this. Yeah. Exactly. Like he's just very clear on equity yeah. and it's great. And that sort of equity as in the, the, the term, not, yes, not, not the, the um, organization's equity. Yeah. Um, I'm curious what you think of Eliza's gasp at the end. I love it. Yeah. It's – I cry like a motherfucker. What does it mean to you? It means uh, – in my head she's just like – she just sees all the people she loves once she dies. Yeah. That's what it is to me. Yeah. So obviously like it, it particularly happened when the film came out but a lot of people were like, what does it mean? And essentially the answer is like it means everything. Yeah. It means I mean, all like, of the Whatever things, you want. Right? Yeah, so yeah. probably she's seeing Alexander for the first time. And her son, since, yeah. Since, you know, all her, she's seeing her son for the yeah. first time. As you say, she's been all the It's like 50 years since they died. Exactly. <laughs> um, they do slightly turn the house lights up in the theatre. So yeah. there's like a lot of talk about that. It's also that she's seeing the audience. America and like, now. America yes. now. Also like literally like the show and, yeah. and his legacy being carried on in the yeah. show. Yeah. Um, That's could, how it reads. Yeah. It could be literally the moment of her death yeah. and like that sort of thing. Yeah. There's all these, there's all these ideas. I think it's actually her finest acting moment. Yeah. And like that's not an easy moment to do. I will also say having seen the show quite a few times live, that moment was nowhere near that big. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I'm so glad I that it was big it. for the film. Yeah, I agree. I actually think it was worth it for the film. Mm. Um, but I don't remember thinking particularly, oh, my God, I need to figure out what that means yeah, right. anytime I've seen it live. So it's an interesting one that that's really what's caught on in I people's. love it. Yeah, oh. yeah. That, the last, like, 40, 50 seconds of the show just get me so, yeah. like, oh, my I God. I know. Oh. I know. Um, let's also talk about, like – the big controversy that really came out when the film came out, which is like, does it do enough to show slavery mm. in those people, yep. the real people that are portrayed in the show? Yeah. And is it, is it their responsibility to show slavery? Like, yeah, it's such a big question. Well, and obviously, and obviously we aren't two no, white women, are aren't the people who should qualified. be answering it. All I know is that like, I, I think there is a fallacy around that Hamilton was a slaver and he, he wasn't. No. And, I don't know why people are perpetuating that, but he was he was quite firmly against slavery, mm. um, and actually did quite a lot to like to further the cause of yeah. abolishing slavery. I mean, Thomas Jefferson we know was a slaver. Washington owned some slaves. And I do think that they and I do think they that what they do a, a good lot. job is Jefferson's hypocrisy. Yes, I think that they do do a really good job of showing that. I, I agree. They don't really say anything about Washington. They don't. And Washington did own slaves and yes. did until his death. Well, actually, that's right. He did until his death, but he did towards the end of his um, life, not that he knew it was the end of his life, but he did start to write about anti-slavery yeah. sentiments. So not that that's any excuse, but I do feel like 
I can't speak on this topic. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know what is true or correct. But if, if some people are saying it's not enough representation of slavery, then maybe they're right. Yeah. There's a, couple, there's a couple of things that I think are worth mentioning. And one is that the show was recorded and came out and like originally performed in 2015. We were still in an Obama presidency. Yes. And I think that – and it was written during an – all during Obama's presidency. Yeah. Is right presidency and i do think that it is somewhat representative of, of a more hopeful that. america in that sense it's just interesting that we got the film literally in the middle of the black lives matter i know protests. well i'm sure it was on purpose yeah yeah but also in the middle of a, of, a, of a well towards the end hopefully of a really traumatic yeah presidency like it's a very different world now than exactly what it was and i think that and i and i know that for example like um Lynn had originally written three cabinet battles, not yes. two. And the third one was about slavery yeah. and it got cut. And I just think that they made the decision as a show that it wasn't necessarily the focus of yes. what the show was. The show was a lot more about legacy yep. and like those sorts of things than it was about like race relations. Yes. And, I, and I will also say that like in one of those Zoom roundtables that's on Disney Plus, that someone asks Leslie the question, like he said, like a – a kid had come up to him and, and asked him the question and he basically was like, okay, so it's really great that you've got all these ideas from this. Like now you go away you and go write and that write show. Something, yeah. You go like like not in like a an aggressive way or anything. It's just like that's great. great I'm really it. glad you're thinking about this mm. now. Let's think about the amazing art you can now create yeah. that now that these ideas have come into play. Yeah. I think like I, I don't – I mean, Hamilton's not problematic. Yeah. So let's not ask it to be something more. Do you I know, know what I mean? Like I – and once again, I'm not qualified to talk about it. But, yeah, I, I totally agree with Leslie in that, like, yes, that's a really important point. Yeah. So what else can and we do? And pieces of art that are based on history are never going to, A, be completely truthful to history. No. As we said, like, Angelica and him probably didn't have yeah, nearly the flirtation that, yes. that they do in the show. Like, there's all those things. Lots of, obviously, things – there's lots of meetings between him and Burr that there's no, you know – are basically yeah. fictional, you know. Yeah. There's all those things in the show and yet we want it to be so true to itself just on that one yes, topic, you know. Right. And I think the th and I and I get the feeling from what I've read that although it, probably the the tricky thing is that like the Skyler family were big slavers, right? Yes. And the thing that people want to call the real Alexander Hamilton out about is that he probably um made some of the trades for Philip Skyler for yes. for the father, Philip yeah. Yeah. Um, but – and that although he was um, a manumissionist, like, again, like, for the abolition of slavery, it wasn't, like, a core point for no. Hamilton. And that's, I think – it's, like, if he had been as anti-slavery as it's Lawrence, like John Lawrence, I feel like it might have become a bit more – Yeah. And you I know? think, like, we – yeah, we may have – we wanted him, I'm sure, to be more anti-slavery, but most men at the time weren't. That's like, right. Like, we can't ask that of these people. Yeah. Like, yes, it's wrong. They're also all sexist, misogynist. Like, you right, know, like – Let's talk about the role of women at exactly, that time. But you exactly. You can't represent something that wasn't there. Exactly. So I do think that um, – yeah. and I do think that it's like, can we, can we maybe not, like – attack the people of colour who are already making theatre yes. and, like, doing so much for for well, that. And don't get me wrong, like, people should be held to account for things, but it's just, like, maybe you could really – let's all focus our energy on, like, the awful systemic racism yes. that's happening amongst, now. like, the white population of theatre, you well, know? I know, like, David Diggs has really been, like, scrutinised for his choice to play Thomas Jefferson. And yeah. Like, what? Yeah. Like, he's an actor. He doesn't – yeah, anyway. 
I know it's crazy anyway, but yeah, I just think it's definitely one of those things that like, and I, I think a lot of people don't realize that it was written and performed in 2015. Yes. Like they just now. see the film now. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, totally. Um, I thought I would quickly list the world of Hamilton extras that are available. Oh, great. Yeah. So if you are just wanting to immerse just yourself in the world of Hamilton, <laughs> here are some of the things that you can do. So I mentioned the Hamill film. It was released on Disney Plus on July 3rd and features almost all of the original Broadway cast. And it was filmed in June 2016, just before, like a week before Lynn left yeah. and a few of the others left. Yay. Um, the Hamill Tome, hashtag Hamill Tome. <laughs> Love this. Which is the big like companion book. Um, I want the it. actual title is Hamilton the Revolution. It's excellent. Um, there's a documentary I've mentioned before that PBS made called Hamilton's America. Um, there was an exhibition that I think was held in Chicago. Really? Called, yeah. The ha- um, I can't remember what, now I can't remember the hashtag they had for it, but yeah, um, that was an exhibition that it was actually a bit more like about the, the actual, actual Alexander men. Hamilton yeah, yeah. And, and that sort of thing. And also about the creation of the show. Nice. Um, Ham for Ham was um, basically like little performances that were done as part of the in-person lottery yes. when they were doing the ticket lottery on Broadway and they would just have like a performance. I went to a couple of them while I was Did there. You? Yeah, I got to see like um, they've got a really good friend um, who's a um, – a slam poet and she did one once cool. and like a few different things like that. Yeah. There's been some cool stuff. Um, and then in terms of music, like even though like, God, this show is not very old, there's lots you can listen to. So there's obviously the original Broadway cast. There is the Hamilton mix, the actual Hamilton mixtape, like throwing back to what the original concept was, mm. um, which is like uh remixes, covers, some of the original demos of a bunch of Hamilton songs done by super current artists, um, you know, new raps on some of the, like new verses on some of the tracks, things like this. It's really great. Um, there's cool. the Hamill Drops, which is not on, not on the Hamilton mixtape, but which are also like covers and things like that. Yeah, nice. Um, and I'm, I think there I'm linking to a, a playlist on Spotify of all of those nice. that were released separately. And then the Hamilton Instrumentals. So... There is – you want to sing through the entire Hamilton cast album? <laughs> now you can. So it is literally the entire thing of just the or- or- orchestral arrangements and that's it. No singing on top, which I just think is so amazing. It's so cool. So good. Yeah. Um, do you want to tell me what your gateway songs are? Okay. My gateway songs are the ultimate gateway songs. Okay. 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 For me, definitely wait for it. Yeah. Which I think we agree on. We do. Wait for it for me is it's Aaron Burr at his absolute best. It's not a difficult song to get into because it, it's there's not too much other context around it, um, and it's so he's just killing it. Leslie Odom Jr. just killing it. Um, the other one for me is the room where it happens. Yeah, mainly because I think it's the most musical theater yeah. of, of this show. So I think if you ex- if you enter into the room where it happens, yeah. The only problem with it is the beginning, like there is a bit of dialogue that maybe is going to be hard if you've never heard the show. Um, and the other one is You'll Be Back okay. because it's a, it's the, I think it's the only standalone song in the whole show. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. 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 What are yours and Okay. Why? So I've gone for the opening Alexander Hamilton just because I think it sets up what's yeah. happening in the show. It's like a Greek chorus. Yeah. And then I have also gone for Wait For It. 
And I have to tell you these two in tandem. Okay. I've gone for Wait For It and I've gone for My Shot. Because for me, those two songs set up who... The, like, those two characters are. We're talking about are. Burr and Hamilton as yes. characters. So literally like those are their mantras yes. as songs, right? As characters, right? I'm not throwing away My Shot and um, and like he's going to wait for it, right? Yeah. And the fact is that those two things that are those two characters' motivations throughout the entire show and is they're completely their undoing at the yes. end of the show. That's true. So it's literally true. like the one moment that Bird does not wait for it when he, he takes a shot. He, he takes a shot yeah. and Hamilton does Throws not take his, his shot, shot is how is their undoing at the end yeah. of the show. Yeah. And for me that is like the central text as to why those two characters are the way they are. Yeah. And so I'm like that's my reason for picking those two as my other two gateway songs. I completely respect and appreciate your <laughs> very nerdy reason. I just don't enjoy listening to my shot. Oh, don't you? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, I love like like I said like Helpless and Satisfied are literally like the Satisfied best. is one of my favorite songs like ever. Me too. Yeah. Um but, but I just that yeah. can't be your gateway in. No, sorry, I don't no. think so either. Like I, I feel like that's something you become obsessed with once you've listened to it a few times. Yeah. But and I thought maybe one last time. Oh, interesting. But no, yeah, it, it's not your gateway. There's either. so many. I mean, I also so feel like many. Yorktown is a great. Yorktown's great. Yeah, you know, nonstop is my favorite song in the whole show. Oh, interesting. I love it so much. Yeah, you, that's not a gateway. Yeah, <laughs> don't listen to that first. The interesting one with Yorktown is I think a lot of people think it's the end of the first act when they yeah. listen to it because it feels really final. Well, also, yeah, then like. And it's, the it's end like of the three wall. three songs happen after. Yeah, that. so yeah. that was a really deliberate choice that they made, where basically, although it's the end of the war, it's like uh, so. Partly, I think it's literally like so that they can do a smooth transition between who the actors play in the second act and who they oh, play yeah, in the so first true. act. I think that's honestly like a really big sensible part of it, right? But it's also just that thing of like, yes, they won the war, but like now we have to build America. Yeah, what happens so now? So like that's right. Mm. So like it is that thing of, okay, we're not quite at the stage yet where there's like yeah. time can pass and, yeah. you know, we're coming back in later I on. I think it's really clever because yeah. also you get the sense if they they finished with – if they finished Act 1 with Yorktown, you would almost be like, well, what is Act 2 about? Yeah. Like, and what also, could it be about? And also, like, the other point that they made is that it's it makes it seem like the Americans are so victorious and they've done this amazing thing yeah. when, in fact, it was, like, a really messy time. It was very messy. And, and it's like, again, yeah, like, otherwise they'd just be like, well, we've we've done it. We've won. Mm. Actually, know? the podcast stuff you should know really talk about that time really they? well. They really discuss it. Actually, like, for a couple of days no one knew what the fuck was going yeah. on. Yeah. Like, they were like, oh, shit. Well, also, like, the fact that, like, Lawrence died even, like, once they'd already won yes, the war. Yes, but, like, 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 people didn't know that the war had been won. No. Some people were still battling it out. Like, I know. It, it, yeah, Incredible. Yeah, it's just fascinating. Yeah. So. In is, summary, Hamilton is fucking is that excellent. Hamilton? Yeah. I think that's it. Um, that's been Hamilton. Yeah. You should get amongst it. Like, such a fucking good show. Yeah. Um, thanks, Ruth. Thanks, Josephine. That was fun. Um. I think the doing doing one musical actually worked well. Yeah. Not I don't think there's going to be many that we like argue no, over, but. No. no. Yeah. It yeah. was fun. That it was, was fun researching and like texting you and being like, I'm doing this. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks everyone. That's been my favorite musical. Please make sure you do all the things. Do all those things. Specifically. Um, write us a review. Write us a review. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, and also um, like us on Instagram, like us on Twitter. Yeah. You may have noticed Instagram is suddenly really sexy. It's because <laughs> Ruth took it over. Because <laughs> I suck. I suck. Josephine just doesn't like social media. I and just I, don't. And I quite like it. I also forget that it exists. Yeah. Most of the time. 
yeah, sorry. That's Ruth. Ruth's now in charge, guys. It's okay. You can go like Instagram. <laughs> also, send us an email. My favorite musical at gmail.com. And um, yeah. And have a good week. Have a good week, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.